from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yeah, Rob Dog. Thank you very much, sir. How is everyone? I'm Mike, the host, the co-host, my wife, Jenny. <laughs> Dirtiest stare ever. You don't like Rob Dog. You're stupid. I uh, see. She didn't like it, uh, but uh, thank you for dialing up the podcast. And hopefully the uh, the next half hour isn't too stupid. But uh, I guess it's review week part duh, the smell of fear, because uh, you did see what you were supposed to see. And not only did you see it once, you saw it twice. You saw it once with Lana, and then uh, Saturday evening, last night, as we're recording this Sunday night, I went and saw it with you. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Pretty fun movie, right? It was pretty fun. The first half was a little bit slow. <clears throat> Excuse me, was a little bit slow. But you had a whole bunch to catch up on, which was, you know, kind of necessary. But mm-hmm. I really like how they had the original director direct this one. Well, uh, the son of the original director, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I think Ivan Reitman was involved in the producing, but uh, it, it, pretty much keeping it it's in the same family. Thing. Yeah, pretty much keeping it in the family. And mm-hmm. uh, I liked it as well. I have a few minor critiques, uh, but like uh, for anybody that has not seen this yet. Uh, you know, and you don't want it to be spoiled, you know, you go ahead and push pause because we're going to, like, unload a whole Spoiler lot of stuff. Yeah, a whole lot of spoilers. Basically, uh, the family of the late Egon Spangler moves out to uh, Oklahoma, his daughter and her two children, and they kind of figure out that their dad, or their granddad, isn't as crazy as the town folk in this uh, this small Oklahoma town made him out to be, and it does follow up on a whole lot of stuff. Um, but... It pretty much explains why, well, unfortunately, why Harold Ramis' Egon is not there. He yeah. kind of is in the beginning, and toward the end, he's kind of there, too. But, I mean, the the, the one thing I saw people kind of gripe about, because at the end, you have uh, the living original Ghostbusters, the kids, and the ghost of Egon, Devit Gozer, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, Logan's cheering us on here in the room. But, like, they, they CGI'd an and uh, uh, pretty much Harold Ramis's uh, um, face onto a figure, somebody mm-hmm. as a stand-in, and that's how and that's how they brought the ghost of Harold Ramis back. And some people thought maybe that was in poor taste. I didn't mind it. Oh, I loved it. I didn't mind it so much. I mean, I can understand why some people are kind of put off by it a little bit, but still, I mean, Egon, Egon is a character in Ghostbusters mythos, so I kind of understand that. It's not as weird and creepy as uh, Star Wars War- Rogue One, where they didn't do it with just one, but two characters. Uh, the late, great Peter Cushing died years back, but his grandma of Tarkin, uh, somebody stood in for him, imitated his voice, and they CGI'd his face over this actor's face. Weird. It was, yeah. It's weird when you know that the dude that actually played him originally is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, they did that with uh, Carrie Fisher's Pr- Princess Leia, and I think that weekend she died. I mean, they didn't do it as she did, died. Uh, but they basically pretty much had to CGI her face into the end of that movie and voice and all that stuff. So, I mean, when, when it's that extreme, I really don't mind it. And what they did with Egon was, like, they didn't have him talk. Yeah. yeah. Usually in your dreams, whenever you dream of someone who is dead, they never say anything to you. Mm-hmm. Never. Really? Yeah. Huh. You didn't know that? Well, I I don't know. I think I might have had a few dreams where somebody has talked to me from beyond. I can't remember all the stuff that was said. Well, but generally they don't. Really? Yeah. So I might be the exception to the rule. No, I think you were just making it up. 
you think I'm lying about dreams? Yes. Because everything... Speaking of dreams, I had a really great dream I was making out with Bill Murray. Why? I... He's old. Yeah. Yeah. So are you. Well, yeah, and sexier. I, I, no. Yes. I, I said, well, he's not here, so I guess I have to settle for you. You're like... That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm here. No, you that's said that's cool. weird. I'm like, but okay, the thing, judgy. Yeah, I like am judgy. N- like you've never had a dream like that before. No, I've never made out with Bill Murray. <laughs> but you, you know what uh, I really liked about this movie? It kind of shuts up a lot of, um, I guess, the woke crowd a little bit here. And you remember when the all-female Ghostbusters came out? Oh, you're shaking your head. I did not like it. Okay. But when that came out, and there were a few loud mouths on the internet slamming it, uh, I saw it as kind of gimmicky myself because it was like, it's Ghostbusters, but instead of four dudes, it's four women. Okay? Don't get me wrong. I like the concept of women. Doing well in movies, right. Doing well in movies, doing exactly what men do, and, you know, I, I like that, but just give me some comedians I like. <laughs> oh, you, so you're not a Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy fan? F no. Okay. I can't cuss because kids are in here. Right, right. But the thing, the thing is also is like you know everybody's talking about how sexist uh, fans were for not liking the all female Ghostbusters. Everybody that I've seen online and on Rotten Tomatoes with the fan reaction has been very positive. This movie, the lead is a 13 year old girl, mm-hmm. and she's the the granddaughter. She plays the granddaughter of Egon, and she does this very well. She play she plays an awkward. 13 year old girl yeah. a nerdy one and, and of course well what 13 year old girl isn't awkward <laughs> well what yeah what teenager isn't but I mean she does a very good job and she kind of figures out what's going on and she brings in some other people as well into this mystery and of course they end up saving the world I mean you have to save the world if there's a possibility of maybe just maybe a sequel but uh, I, I think overall with with some minor critiques I think this is a very solid movie. I don't want to get uh, just, you know, pick it apart right now. I think this was the first movie in a long time where I saw it twice in theaters. Yeah. And it wasn't a Marvel movie. No. (laughs) But there is a... I think the last movie I saw in theaters more than once was Dear John in 2009. Really? Was it that long ago? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was at a discount theater, so I was just like going. Like, uh, ah, okay, okay. It was so. like three bucks a ticket. All right, what's better, Dear John or uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Ooh, I don't know. They're both so good. Really? I'm going to go with Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dear John. <laughs> oh, despite me. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I liked it. Because yeah. I still like it because it, it's personal to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife still in theaters. Uh, of course, I think it's coming to the tail end of the run, so go see it yeah. if you can. And if not, I mean, it'll be digital, it'll be Blu-ray, it'll be streaming somewhere. You'll have plenty of chances to go and see it. And speaking of seeing, see a Brian Effing Kelly, of, uh, formerly of Notre Dame. He basically left uh, that team with their proverbial D in their hand. Yeah. Okay. And I know you're not a college football person, but let me explain what happened. Okay. No. College football coaches make an S load of money. And you can you can lure them out of their hidey hole with uh, with an S load of money, apparently. Mm. Uh, when there was a job opening at USC, and by the way, if Brian Kelly took this job, I think I think the campus of Notre Dame would be like burned to the ground because mm. they hate USC. Uh, somebody asked him, and this was just uh, just before Thanksgiving, hey, uh, would you ever consider leaving Notre Dame for USC? And he said something like, well, it's like Mike Tomlin said of the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Uh, you know, somebody would have to 
be a fairy godmother and bring me a $250 million check and, you know, I'd have to clear that with my wife or something. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, I'm staying. This is one of my best jobs ever. And then, like, uh, earlier this week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, he bolts for LSU. Like, and one of the weird stories about this was there was a, he has, a, you know, scouts going out and recruiting, actively recruiting. A guy literally, like on Twitter, one of the famous stories, a guy literally left a high school student's house after selling him on Notre Dame and finds out about his boss, the head coach of Notre Dame, leaving on Twitter. He's ghosting his assistant coaches. He tells all the players to show up for a 7 a.m. meeting, mm-hmm. talks to him for like maybe four minutes, leaves at 7-Eleven, and... Goes to a 7-Eleven? Well, yeah, he, he might as well go to a 7-Eleven. But um, basically, I mean, he was just like deuces after being there for 12 years and being the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. So imagine being a fighting Irish fan years down the line, and you're watching the game, and they bring up, you know, winningest coach stats. You know how they bring up random stats from previous years? And you see that son of a bitch's name on the graphic. I know. They're playing. That to me, that to me tells uh, tells me what what kind of character this guy is. And then he goes down to LSU for some pep rally. He goes down to LSU for some pep rally. Brian Kelly, being from Massachusetts, and he basically starts giving a pep speech in a southern accent. He's like, "I don't have all my wins yet. My family and I are just all excited to be down here." He's talking in a southern. Accent. You know, it's really funny. What's that? He said he's from what, Boston? He's from Massachusetts. Any, anyway, uh, a coworker of mine said that uh, he was taking orders in a fake Boston accent. So, joke's on you. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. You know, my husband really hates their sports teams. I do. And I really hate Brian Kelly because it just seems like condes- Like, I'm not even a Notre Dame fan. And this just seems condescending as all get out uh, that uh, that this is going on. Like, that he's doing this, right? And uh, to me, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't, it, it's not good leadership when you're telling your players one thing and you go and do another. It's very inconsistent. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, have you ever been in a situation like that? No, but I know the Colts have. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. They have the Josh McDaniel thing when they yeah. tried luring him in. Yeah. 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 And he, they're just like, yeah, because he started to get his staff in there, and then he... He pretty much didn't sign the contract, so they ended up going with Frank Reich, which I think in the long run is, is a better pick, even though they're kind of slogging around right now. But Well, it's because they're an old, broken team, just like my back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my knees. Uh-huh. But the funny thing is, is also, is like, Brian Kelly ghosted his coaching staff, and for some odd reason, he can't convince a single one of them to leave Notre Dame and come down to LSU with him. It's Notre Dame. It has a heritage. Right. I mean, you would think that that would be his dream job or whatever. Well, isn't that what he said? Well, he said that about uh, the University of Cincinnati when he <laughs> left there, before he left for Notre Dame 12 years ago. So he's not... So he has a track record of being an indecisive butthole. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So he's going to go down to uh, LSU and probably well, get... LSU, his... look out, because it's going to happen to you. It's like a cheater. You know? Well, like yeah. a cheater, always a cheater. And I'm thinking a lot of the Tiger fans down there... Are rationalizing as all get out going. Oh, it's not going to happen to us. He's down here. He's going to bring wins to the SEC. He still doesn't have a coaching staff <laughs> lined up. 
<laughs> hey, Logan threw up on your car. That's that's awesome. Thanks, Logan. Um, but not not quite near as big a mess as Brian Kelly has left in his wake. So uh, good luck, good luck, uh, Louisiana State, and uh, probably going to get your butt kicked by other SEC teams here uh, for the next three to five years. But uh, so we go from that uh, that field to a field that I used to know a whole hell of a lot about, and that would be radio. Um, uh, this this is actually kind of a sad story out of South Carolina. There's a gentleman by the name of Tim Hill, uh, father of three, husband. He used to do, I think, an afternoon sports show for a sports station down in, uh, well, like I said, South Carolina. Worked for Cumulus. They recently let him go. Why? Because? A different direction? Uh, yeah, that's always a good one. Uh... What what happened was he refused to take the vaccine, and the company was mandating that he take the vaccine. Now they, here's the funny thing, uh, because they have this uh, company wide mandate, you need to take the vaccine or you're Cumulus gone. Cumulus has that. Cumulus apparently has that. Mm. Uh, they let him go, but they did let him do one final show, and he had been doing his show, I guess by himself in his garage for like the last year and a half or something. So it like doesn't that. really matter. No, it doesn't. So uh, and there's a labor shortage. Good job. It's just cost oh, well, measure. yeah. I'll, I'll get to I'll get to my thoughts on that here in just a few moments. But uh, uh, I do have this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, to make ends meet, he is working as a UPS delivery driver. You know what? And prop uh, hats off to him. Props to you because you will find a way to make it work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. It's just you pivot. Right. You He's, pivot. You, you sometimes have to do that, and yeah. uh, he's not the only one that's had to do that. Now, no, it's the, you're kicking ass. Yeah, now he's anti-vax. Uh, I am not, but I am strongly anti-mandate because I, mm-hmm. I, I think two things. Uh, media has blown out of proportion who all can be deathly affected by COVID. And it's not to say that COVID can't be deadly and affect people in horrible ways, but I think by and large, a lot of people who do get it recover quickly same time uh that you got the vaccines out and i you know i get sick and tired of people you know sending me youtube videos uh you know it's all conspiracy man the lizard people are trying to give you 5g or whatever uh, i don't think this guy is Bill Fryson's giving me 5g uh, yeah <laughs> it's pretty good 5g uh, i don't necessarily think this guy's a conspiracy guy but you know the principle is it's your health you make the decisions. Yeah. And how many people have foregone the flu vaccine year in, year out, saying, I, I'll take my chances, and they're okay? You know what I mean? So I do feel bad for this guy, but it, it kind of, not that I'm, this isn't the day where I tell my story. But last year, <coughs> while I was still in radio, I really, really got disillusioned during this whole thing about COVID. Because uh, I, I've worked at places, uh, kind of a, a accumulation, so to speak, of places where it's radio matters. Radio is part of the community. Radio is this, this, that, that. We're there for you in times of emergency, right? No. Uh, how many effing radio companies, when when this hit the fan and a lot of ad revenue dropped because a lot of businesses didn't know what the hell was going to happen, so they stopped spending... How many radio companies used this opportunity to get rid of talent and say, mm-hmm. we didn't want to do it, but we had to let them go? Mm-hmm. And of course, that revenue comes back and they don't bring back any of those people they fired. Or because 
because they cared so much. You know, and and that's what snake pits all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is uh, <laughs> and and this has been my gripe about radio is like. It, the, you can't get by on the bare minimum as as a medium. I know there's a lot of technology. Hell, the internet. There's billions and billions of podcasts out there. There's billions and billions. Every jackass has a podcast. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, streaming services. You know, you have your YouTubes. You yeah, have books. You have well, you know, sometimes people pick up you know paper books, right? You have other ways to get your entertainment from. But um, radio, radio keeps thinking. Hypnotic yes. suggestions and. Uh, Telepathy. Okay. Yeah, that's what you can share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, tacos. Uh, but but the thing is, is like radio keeps going. Well, you know, we got to compete with streaming. You're not going to compete with streaming. We got to compete with podcasts. You're not going to st- compete with podcasts. If nobody's behind the microphone, you're going to lose. If you do not produce your own content, you're going to lose. A lot of people thought AM radio back in the '80s was dead. Then comes a guy by the name of Rush Hudson Limbaugh. And love him or hate him, he made news talk a thing. He made politics a thing. He brought in tens of millions of listeners to AM friggin' radio, mm-hmm. and it was on its way out. I mean, Howard Stern did stuff similar with FM radio. You, ha- I mean, you know, he's a shock jock, sure, but I mean, if you're not providing content, if you're not out there producing it and, and, and engaging your audience, you are going to die. That's why I love uh, We Hate Movies. Yeah, because they have the mailbag. Oh my gosh! It's yeah. some of my favorite episodes. And I and I do read. Uh, I do read uh, like comments Gar- like Gary, right? Gary. Jim, right? Gary. Jim, the Wright. Godfather. Or, oh right, or right. something. Oh the um. No no no, bro no. You're talking Sister o- Christian. Okay, yeah, we're get, we're getting off topic, but no, we're not. They were talking about the dude uh, that brought the Jim bro with him to go see a special screening of the Godfather, and he was critiquing the movie, critiquing one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Just to show you, and he has the IQ of a gym sock, but they talk about that stuff. They talk about experiences, and, you know, in a way, Internet is its own community. Mm-hmm. It's spread out wide and far, but if radio wants to be community-oriented, they have to engage the community. And uh, when you're cutting guys like uh, this Tim Hill guy out because he does not take the vaccine... First of all, the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting it. It doesn't keep you from spreading it. No, it's... I got it, even though I got vaccinated. Right. It happens. And it's just like, well, it's just, guess it's... it's that variant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But, I mean, it's, it's basically like, you know, having a gun doesn't prevent somebody from breaking into your house. It's just you've got some way to fight back. That's what a vaccine is. And a lot mm-hmm. of people think it's an invisible force shield, and it's not. And I, I wonder how many people have lost their jobs over... Just the stupid thinking out there, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, is are it, they going forward with the mandate? I've heard uh, there's been a lot of uh, blockages with judges on various mandates, but like yeah. it's 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 an invasion of I think it's just an invasion of privacy and health, really. I know that some companies are going for right, right, and some aren't. But my thing is, is it should be up to the person, like any health decision you have. And I'm not. This is not an anti-vax message. This isn't a pro-vax message. This is, you do your own damn research and you come to your own conclusions and you live your life. You can't have companies and governments telling you how to do so because you keep doing this. It, it they'll they'll figure out other things that you'll have to do, and they may be worse than you getting a, a needle. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see, but I, my hat. My, but, but seriously, Tim, I, I know you're probably not listening. But if anybody knows Tim Hill, 
Uh, tell him and his wife and his kids that we hope that he has a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. You know, he's going to be making so much more money than he is at that dirt farm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? You're probably not far off. Yeah, I mean, UPS during this time of year. Mm-hmm. He's probably not getting a hell of a lot of sleep, but yeah. You know what? You do what you got to do. Yeah. You do All- what you got to do. I know when you started your new job, you know, I felt like we were on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. And that we understood each other better and actually made us stronger. And you dropped so much weight. Yeah. I, well, I, you look really good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Which is why I thought about making out with Bill Murray. But um, Because I look point, like Bill Murray. <laughs> I don't know why that... He had the strangest dreams. But, uh-huh. but seriously, <laughs> we, we hope he has a great uh, holiday season. Who, Bill Murray? Everybody. He, even Brian Doyle Murray, his brother. We hope he has a happy holiday season. Uh-huh. Speaking of holidays, uh, I don't know what town this is. I had it written down. I forgot. Gary, Indiana. No, it's down Florida. Gary, um, Florida. And, and Florida has a sizable Jewish population. And we're, we're recording this on the final night of Hanukkah. And some redneck decided to be a Grinch, right? Uh, and drove off with the family menorah from this one Jewish household. Mm. This rabbi that ch- uh, chipped in for this family, sure. this guy... I like his way of thinking. You know what he did for this family? What? He got them a bigger and better menorah. Sweet. And I was just thinking, you know what? It really doesn't matter uh, what the holiday is. If you have a Grinch like that, or say you have an uppity HOA that's just like, oh, you can't put lights up before Thanksgiving. Don't do this. Speaking of which, we need to pay our fees. Oh. Well, I'm glad I reminded you. I think, you know, anytime anybody gripes about your holiday decorations or somebody uh, graffito tags them, as Marge Simpson would say, you go bigger and badder and just shove it in people's faces. You're like, happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy feast of maximum occupancy, whatever the hell the holiday is you celebrate, you just go bigger and badder. And we do have the story linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page because yeah, it, it it's not like, well, it's a shame that happened, uh, so just pray for him. It's like, okay, well, you know, here, here's a bigger and better menorah. This one's chrome-plated. <laughs> this one, yeah, this and one is has, bulletproof. Yeah, it has a multi-port fuel injectors and runs in alcohol, <laughs> and it's loud. and it, it shoots flames 15 feet in the air, and it plays Van Halen like David Lee Roth delivered this menorah. zip it <laughs> yes, that would be that. That would be the only way. Wasn't you could... that bit in in the SpongeBob movie? It was, I think. Yes, it was. Where yeah, just the gigolo, yeah. yeah. And David Lee Roth is Jewish, so he's he's celebrating Hanukkah somewhere, responsibly, I'm sure. But uh, you can well, you check that story out somewhere on that friggin' Facebook page, and also on the Facebook page. Uh, don't call it a comeback, but I guess it's kind of sort of a comeback. Place I used to work at. Can you guess? Uh, Toys R Us, because this all the notes. Yes, you did. I sent you the notes. <laughs> but yeah, tell me about the comeback. I'm really excited. Okay, well, I mean, Toys R Us, I mean, they, they're still in business in Canada, but stateside, uh, they're, they're kind of branded with this weird partnership with Macy's, because, uh, yeah. as you know, 13 people shop at Macy's. That's right. Here in Fort Wayne. I mean, that's a pretty pricey place. If you're, it is. If you're going to make a comeback, why not try to partner with, like, Target or something? Oh, Target? Yeah, why not do that, right? Dude, yeah, that, that would be smarter. All, all those moms go to Target and they always bring their kids. Yeah, you would think Target and you know Toys R Us, you know that would, you know, or Walmart or something, just something. Target, but they're they're partnered with Macy's. Well, now they're uh, just in time for Christmas, and I think they should have done this about a month or two earlier. But mm-hmm. they are opening up a two-story uh, uh, 
Toys R Us at a mall in New Jersey, complete with an ice cream parlor and a two-story slide. Sounds fun, but I don't know if that's enough to really call it a company. Because, like, you're just like, oh, I can get ice cream at you know, Walmart. I can, you know, slide down something. If we lived in New Jersey, mm-hmm. you know you'd want to go. Well, yeah, if you're if you're a toy collector, you definitely want to go. But the ice cream parlor and the, the slide wouldn't be enough to get in for me. I mean, I wouldn't care one way or another. But I was thinking about this, right? I mean, you, if Toys R Us really wants to bring the parents in and the kids in, and they really want to make a splash. What they need to do, instead of having an ice real life giraffes, that would be pretty cool. Of course, PETA would be pro. You know that, that actually. You know what? I'm gonna write that down because that would be bad publicity. And there's no such thing as bad publicity. Nope. So just just have giraffes in the store, rubbing around, taking dumps on the floor, and you wearing feed, ties. I'm we're, sure the wearing ties. That. Feed them grass. Feed them candy. I mean, that's the giraffes. How about our cat. You, you, I I don't want to feed a giraffe our cat. Um, you know, you do that, or like my initial idea was, instead of the ice cream parlor, you put in a Chuck E. Cheese because what I remember, uh, my best friend and her, well, now ex-husband used to work at a Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would let me in after hours. Did they ever have any stories about people losing their s, like parents? Losing- oh yeah. Because it just it makes no sense. Because like you know, I've I've gone a couple times when your nephews were younger. And it was just like, oh, this place. Because I went when I was a kid, yeah. I went to Showbiz Pizza, and there would be the hockey table and a few arcade games. And of course, now everything's like young as f, you know. Um, I I don't understand why parents would lose their crap over it because you get tickets for stupid plastic toys, and the pizza tastes like poop, you know. But kids want to go there for some odd reason. Yeah, and it's so, Chuck E. Cheese. So you put a Chuck E. Cheese inside the Toys R Us, or you know, you put a Toys R Us in the Target. Target would probably be the smart bet. But mm-hmm. if you want to get your name back out there, man, you put—that's how you do it. You get it out on the news. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Toys R Us still trying to do something stateside, and uh, you can check that out if you want on Mike Davidson Facebook page. Now, this was a, a kind of a private thread on my personal Facebook page, and I was thinking this yesterday. Because you got them that frozen Lego set, like the small one that they lost the Kristoff head to already yeah. uh, last weekend. Uh, and, and Legos are fun. And they, they were watching on Disney+, Plus, Lana and Hazel, they were watching the uh, the frozen Lego series, right? And uh, it got me thinking. Lego is like the rare company that can do business with both like a Warner Brothers and a Disney. They can do Marvel toys, they can do DC, they can do Harry Potter, they can do, you know, Mickey Mouse, all this stuff. They have so many things licensed, right? There are probably some things we're never going to see in Lego form at a toy store. And I wrote down a few ideas and I had some uh, friends uh, suggest some things. So here are some Lego sets you're never going to see built. This, these were some that I suggested, okay? Uh, the Godfather at and uh, the Sunny at the Tollbooth scene. Mm-hmm. That's never going to be a Lego set. No. The Apocalypse Now Charlie Don't Serve helicopter attack scene, which would be a shame because who wouldn't want a shirtless Robert Duvall Lego figure with the uh, the uh, Calvary hat, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Fargo wood chipper scene, the Steve Buscemi pieces do not latch together. <laughs> the Blazing Saddles welcoming the new town sheriff scene. <laughs> With complete with the Count Basie Orchestra, uh, the Breaking Bad exploding nursing home scene with a Gus Fring figure coming with two interchangeable heads, before and after the explosion, uh, the Crying Game reveal scene with mystery bonus piece. <laughs> Your eyebrows cocked at that. 
And uh, what else I suggest? The Silence of the Lambs lotion pit basement dance room combo. That reminds me. They should definitely do a Lego set for Joe Dirt. Oh, <laughs> like uh, the the space rock scene, or what? Yeah, yeah or the fireworks scene. No, no the um, like the the bomb scene. Yes, that's an old septic tank. <laughs> I got poo on me, <laughs> just covered in poo. Can you imagine having like seventy five brown Lego pieces and you just put them together and that's just like airplane poop? Uh, let's see a few other ones. Uh, uh, Brandon suggested to me the Scarface bathroom yayo deal gone bad scene that involves a chainsaw. Uh, Pulp Fi Stephen writes Pulp Fiction basement in the pawn shop scene and the bloody car scene. Uh, Sean uh, suggests the trunk scene from Goodfellas. I would have gone with the Billy Bats ba uh, barroom scene for a Lego set there, uh, but that one's a pretty good one too. Uh, Star Wars Stormtroopers attack Owen and Beru's farm seat. I, I guess that's uh, from Justin, and he's suggesting uh, smoking Lego figures. Uh, Jeremy has the uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas is a popular one here. Uh, when Joe Pesci gets whacked. Uh, Cortland, uh, he uh, court, uh, suggests the alien chest exploder scene. <laughs> and uh, this one might be my favorite one. Again, going back to Justin, the Police Academy, any blue oyster bar scene. There'd be a lot of black leather pieces with that one. So uh, maybe maybe I should screenshot those. But if you guys have any suggestions for like uh, Lego sets that can never be made, uh, feel free to chime in and message me. Uh, Wife had to step out momentarily uh, toward the end here because, well, kids were outside arguing. They went and played, and now they're all fighting. But, uh, again, we appreciate you listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, you just came in as we're wrapping up. Anything else to say? That's Hazel. <laughs> Thank you, Hazel. Jenny, anything you want to add? No. Okay. okay. Hazel, say goodbye. Say goodbye. That's close enough. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 